no matter how old we are, like how far into our career, it's never a bad thing to ask yourself if you like what you're doing and if it feels aligned with who you are and your skill set as you grow. Technique, Squidward, it's about technique. Technique, Squidward. All right, uh, let's let's like maybe jump in with the official. Welcome everybody to the Faking, Faking Nose podcast. podcast, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, G's and gents, algorithms, and AI, <laughs> and AI, and the inevitable artificial <laughs> intelligence that really replaces us all. Today we have a very special guest, Taylor Rossi, web developer expert, um, and a flute player. So she's photographer. She, we got one of us on the inside. So she's, of course, like everyone on yeah. here, and like everyone we've ever interacted with has a great and interesting story. Goes through school right up before it's time to graduate and go out in the world and you've invested all that time and energy, realizes, like, wait a minute, I can be of service in another way. I wanna do something that interests me and motivates me. And so she took her knowledge growing up in this classical world and has then shifted it and adapted it into social media management, brand management, and web design uh, most recently. And so with that, she's, she kind of like realized a problem and that if you're listening to this podcast or if you're hosting this podcast, you need to work on your website. And she realized that's a pain point for a lot of people. And so she's turning, she's turning that issue, the, the, the fears we all face of going out there and improving our digital and personal physical selves. Uh, and so she's, she's, she's taken on that challenge. And so today she's here to help us out how to make a website. Exactly. If you want to hire her for her services, you can go to NicoleRicardoMedia.com. They have a wonderful team uh, that will help you figure out how to tell your authentic story on your website because your social media shouldn't be the end-all be-all. It's always about your website. I'm so glad that I learned that. You can also check out her website, TaylorRossiFlutis.com. You can also follow her on Instagram. We have, of course, all the links as usual in in the description. All the links in our link tree. You know, where know it is. what it is. Uh, you guys know how Google mm-hmm. works. Uh, and if you don't, today is going to be a very important, very important episode. But uh, there's, she's got a great blog. She's gonna. She's here to to help teach you. She's here to work with you. She's here to be your website therapist. Uh, a great conversation with a lot of very practical things about life and down to the nitty gritty of how to get that website going and make it work for you, make your website be part of your creative art. So again, this is Taylor Rossi. Enjoy. For a second, that started sounding like a Squarespace advertisement. Oh, I wish I, I wish I recorded you say that. Say that again. <laughs> I, I, I recorded it. I recorded it. That's so funny. <laughs> We wanted to jump right in. So as you know, Taylor, I asked a few people on my Instagram story for some questions from you. And some of them were unhelpful. Like some people were uh, <laughs> saying, hey, you should sign up uh, for our uh, our blog so we can feature your music. So it's like a lot of spam. You can hit with the I'm spam sure. bots? Nice. I nice. get hit with so many spam bots now, so it's hard to aggregate good questions. But there's We've been one. trying to have spam bot on the, the pod for a long time. Like spam bot doesn't reply to our messages. They don't, re- they don't reply to your, but they send you all the messages. They don't receive any. It's, it's unrequited <laughs> love. Uh, 
But uh, I just want to fly asks, do you have to use your social media to funnel traffic to your site or are there other ways to do so? And I guess that's a great place to start the conversation. Yeah, that's an amazing question. And I wish more people asked that, to be honest. So the answer is yes. Um, I think a giant mistake that people make when they have a website is just assuming that they publish it, it's live, and it's going to do all the work for them. And it is basically an extension of you, and we love that. But I think people's egos get in the way a little bit, and you can't expect everyone to just know who you are and know that they're going to visit your website and take care of the rest. So an easy way to do that is through your social media and the beautiful link in bio, or just like click on this or add it in your Facebook. So there's a number of ways you can do it, but I highly recommend using your socials where people already know you to get them to your website where they can find out more about your services, more about your bio, all that good stuff. Amazing. Thank you for saying that because like a lot of people do ask me that they're like, I don't like social media. I don't <laughs> like, I don't want to post pictures of my cat, you know, and try to get people to come to my website. So it's really great to hear that from you. Um, you actually do on your website, you have a, a blog post with seven ways to get more views on your website. And um, one of them that actually blew my mind was find local directories that allow you to list your website. Can you dive a little bit more deeply into that? For sure. So I know here in Boston, um, I found out, I don't even know who it was through, but I was able to list, um, I think it was like through Harvard's directory. Um, I also teach some flute lessons that I was able to include my website right on their website. And so doing things like that, if you're a teacher, um, a private lesson teacher, you can do that. Um, you can do that for other small businesses. There's ways of doing it where you don't necessarily have to be through like an organization like Chamber of Commerce or one that you would pay for, but there's certainly ones out there for local businesses that they're happy to include your information. And especially if you're coming to them with an offer of your own and how you can support them too, it's super, super easy to have them feature you on their website. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Thank you for that. It's like, like now that we've like opened up and we've supported our, our love, lovely uh, listener question, let's segue immediately into our questions. Uh, uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> it just disregard them. So how exactly did this start for you, this journey into an interest in the website? Well, my first question is how much time do you have? Um, and <laughs> we have we don't plenty. Stop. We don't stop. We don't stop. This is open. Um, I'll try and condense it, but um, I feel like it's always something I've kind of been interested in. Um, I got my bachelor's degree in music education, and that whole time, I honestly felt like I fit the stereotype of a music educator, a future band teacher. I loved it, all this good stuff. And then somewhere around my senior year, um, which is a great time to have you know, questions about your career towards the end of your degree <laughs> is um, when I started kind of noticing that my peers were like, they were so excited to become band teachers. They were like so here for it. And I was looking around and was terrified, not sharing the same passion. So kind of started to think about, well, I'm going to graduate soon. What's happening next? Um, and in that time, there were like little clubs I was involved in on campus and I did little like we called it PR, but it was literally making like a poster, but I loved that <laughs> stuff, <laughs> you know? So I took a deeper dive into that and 
one of the questions I was thinking a lot towards the end of my degree too was, you know, first year teachers, I, all you hear is like how insane it is. This is not going to give me time to work on my instrument. And I didn't want to give that up quite yet. Um, so I did the next thing, which is pretty much what we're told to do, which is go to grad school for performance because (laughs) (laughs) that'll be fun. And I can play the flute all the time. I don't know what I'll do after. (laughs) It's yeah, it's so real. So I get there and I, my plan was I'll figure it out, which sometimes works for some people. It was not going to work for me. So during that time, I was really lucky and got an internship at a flute company and started doing some social media work for them. Um, and actually a year into my degree, um, kind of realized that there was no way I was going to make a living as a performing flutist. It just wasn't what I was supposed to do. Um, so I wound up actually stopping my degree and took a full-time job at this company and had an incredible opportunity to learn as I went, which Honestly, when I was trying to find a part-time job, it was between this and an ice cream shop. So I'm really glad that <laughs> this worked out. But I, yeah. I mean, I could scoop like that's yeah. Why not both? Look, scoop you know? with the best of them. <laughs> She's like, do you want some crushed almonds and uh, a new uh, MailChimp account? <laughs> yeah. You know what? You never know what's happening next. So I'll put it on the list. <laughs> I'm fascinated how you were able to change directions like what inside you like really activated that idea of like look i'm not passionate about that because many people fall into the sunk uh the the sunk cost fallacy of i've spent all this time pursuing this one thing it's too late i need to just you know suck it up and do it Mm because i've already invested all this time but you were able to first of all i have two questions first of all how did you find the strength of that and second of all how did they hire you when you had a bachelor's degree in music when you're going for marketing and PR? Yeah, super good questions. Um, I So the first one was, I, I think at that stage in my life, I had always been a pretty happy person, but every time I went to school during grad school, I was just miserable. I was consistently unhappy. And I did a first year recital And the whole time I was just not, I was not happy. And we went out, my family came up and we went out to dinner after, and I was about to sign up for classes for the fall for the new semester. And I just was jokingly, I said to them, I don't think I want to go back. And they were like, really? And I thought about it for a while. And it was hard because I was also, um, using my loans for school to also like pay for my apartment. So I couldn't just, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard. I I had known for a while, but the words just kind of came out of my mouth and it was not a decision I reached lightly because it is, it's, it's years and thousands of dollars. And I'm reminded of that once a month when I get the emails from my loans. (laughs) (laughs) You're in, you're in, you're in company. You're in good company. Yeah. 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 Um, but I knew at the same time that I, it's not that I was, done with my instrument. I think I was just, didn't feel like I was at a place where I knew that school was going to be the answer at that time to helping me make an actual living. Um, so I knew that I still wanted to play. I still wanted to learn and I still wanted to, you know, perform and teach and all this stuff, but it just didn't feel like the right timing. Um, for the job aspect, it was, I think that they were starting at such 
a bare minimum level and being young and having a knack for social media and marketing and just having like a fresh take on things, I think was very, I was kind of in the right place at the right time. And it was, they just needed something. And so it wasn't trash what I was doing. So I think it was easy for them to, <laughs> awesome. to say yes. Um, I also was doing some admin work in addition to it. So it wasn't like full blown marketing. Um, so it was kind of a good balance of being like sales, admin, marketing, um, and just continuously trying to learn while I was doing it. That's, dope. That's incredible. I wanted to just, again, reinforce what Drew had alluded to, which is just the sheer strength to to not even like, hey, I'm going to write out this degree. I've already decided, you know, that, you know, just one more year, you know, w- w- what's that going to be? I get a master's degree and then, then I'll go on and do my thing. No, you you committed. And I think that's the 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 tougher, that's a really tough decision to to stop midway through a degree through all of this. And uh, so I applaud you for kind of like, yeah, you know, having the strength to do that because that's terrifying. Uh, some people, you know, many are, they're stuck in the same field, same, whatever, because of the sunk cost fallacy or what else would I do or financial or just fear, which is all fully understandable. So like you actually went out and did it. Um, what it sounds like is that you, you kind of at least were able to pull a lot of those skills you had kind of learned. It's maybe some of the tenacity of just having to, you know, survive on music, but also piecing, piecing things together, um, being creative, being analytical. A lot of the things we're forced to, uh, have to do on the music side of things. And then you found a place for that elsewhere in, in marketing, in web design, uh, in this administrative side of things. Uh, are there any, uh, other like particular things you'd say from your music background that actually kind of like set you up for success in this marketing side of things? For sure. And I also just, I want to say thank you for saying that. Um, But also I I want to say something that's really important that this was not, again, like something I came to lightly. And this was also almost three or four years ago now. And so I've had a lot of time to sit with this. So it's very easy for me to say like, hey, I dropped out of grad school. Like here I am now. (laughs) I'm like living my best life. Like I have like sat through the pain. I've worked through the decisions. I had the, I was lucky to have the support of my family in this decision. And so it's not something that I, I say is everyone should just drop, drop out of grad school. You know, I think listen to what's right for you. And I mm-hmm. think it'll show you what's right. And I, even the day that I submitted my papers that I wasn't returning, I just felt a weight lift off my shoulders and was like, okay, this is the right decision. This makes sense. So, so there was that, um, I think the other thing that made a lot of sense to me in pursuing this um, path in marketing and website design was the way that I connect with people. And I found it really exciting to be able to work with musicians in particular and help them almost like achieve more success through their online presence. And I felt like through marketing, I could help them do that. So it made me feel like a supporting role in their success or like similar to an ensemble, like everyone is part of this greater picture. And I, this is my part of helping musicians achieve more success. Mm. Paying it forward. In a way. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really coming through like, I, I, and you can kind of see that just like in your, in your personality, like this, it's an act of service and um, something 
we've talked about a bunch and I think about all the time, listen to you, try to do what's right for you. And again, for so many musicians, I mean, probably a lot of people who are listening on this podcast are having these thoughts of, of like, Hey, like, you know, I was told I have to, you know, give a hundred percent to this music thing, or I have to do this or 20 years, 30 years of their life has been geared towards this one centralized goal. And then what happens in year 25 of that 30 year journey, it's like, wait a minute. I actually like other things <laughs> and it's perfectly okay to do that. There are tons of doctors and lawyers that should be musicians. And the counter to that is also there are tons of musicians who should go out and be doctors and lawyers and marketing. Yeah. Like think of how better the world would be if there were more artists in other fields. And like that could be your calling. And if it's interesting to you, great. And if you can then help out other musicians like what you're doing, do things that they don't like to do, things that make them uncomfortable, that they'd love some help and guidance on. Like, I think it's just great that you're going in with this act of service. It, has that always been part of of kind of like you, your 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 ethos, your id of go, of going out and being uh, a, a person of 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 service? Yeah, I like to think I'm a giver. You, so specifically, you mentioned one of the nice things you, you opened up with just to describe your story, and then. We'll talk about that specific to your website, but in your about me, it wasn't just setting up the bio. It was your story. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you've described some of that already, already, but specifically in there. So you went through this very dark time of making that difficult decision in grad school of recognizing the unhappiness. And like you said, that's not a, a 24 hour dis decision. That's not a 24 hour experience. You, you live with that. You were in charge of the positivity club. Will you please explain? <laughs> So this is, yeah, this is where I had my uh, PR experience. So my group of friends from college who are still my, my crew now, um, we somehow stumbled upon this club called the Positivity Club. And we got together once a week and played board games or made up our own Zumba routines or held uh, a pasta night concert dinner <laughs> um, with one of our friends' bands. We handed out donuts at 7am on a Monday morning. And it was just this like really fun dorky way of like all hanging out together and like trying to make people less grumpy. And it's super random, but it was like one of my favorite parts of college. So this was an existing thing already that you just kind of become a part of yeah. the positivity club. That's yeah. Talk about marketing and branding. Like it sounds like a, po a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like happy dead poets. It's like dead poets uh, society, but with a much happier ending. One of the things. So let's even like bring bring it back into the specifics of website and mm -hmm. at least like looking through yours. So websites are actually both very much top of mind for Drew and I. So this is perfect timing and for for you know you to come on. And I'm sure with every other musician now that everything is digital in this current stage of things, we're all sitting there like, wait a minute. Uh oh, the website haven't touched it in years. Can People I just are asking say, for it? Oh God, bro! Yeah. Like I, I had a <laughs> a minor anxiety attack when I was trying to revamp my website yesterday, uh, and it was so bad that I like put my head in my hands for about ten minutes, and then I just went and took a nap because like I just couldn't, <laughs> I just couldn't <laughs> find the right photos, couldn't find the right fonts, couldn't find the right color scheme, and this is just the homepage. Like <laughs> I was trying to figure out everything else too. I know what I want it to look like and what I want it to do. Uh, and I look at my 
old website and I cringe. I'm like, this is trash. Like, no wonder I'm not getting work. And so I'm glad to have you here uh, to have this conversation with us because I know I'm not alone. Yeah. So that's our story. If someone came to you with a mild uh, anxiety attack, mild to moderate uh, anxiety attack, how, <laughs> what, what would you, how would you open <laughs> and help that person out? It's funny because I recently did a consult and I kind of thought of it like I get to be like a therapist for website design. Um, <laughs> I just talk you through what you already know. So the thing is, is that it is a huge project, um, but what makes it a lot easier is just breaking it apart and starting off one piece at a time. Um, so the thing, and I'm glad you mentioned it, but the thing I think that most people kind of miss about their website especially as musicians, when you're so used to writing like formal bios and all this, like so professional, but it's cold and no one is connecting with people because like through their website, because they're, they have nothing to connect with. Like, that's cool. You went to this really nice college and you got a great degree and that's awesome. And look at you winning all these awards, but like, how is anyone going to relate to that? So working through who you are as a person and what you want to showcase through your website as an extension of you is imperative and the biggest thing that people miss. So just thinking about your own qualities, your own personality, what you want to show and what you're probably already doing on your social media, if that's a platform that you're using, um, using that to then showcase on your website. Mm. Yeah, I'm not, I don't do social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Drew, social media is this thing. It's it's online. You interact with people. Yeah, I'll explain oh, later. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just teach me, you post, teach me a couple You post things. photos. Yeah, it's, oh, oh, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> so let's bring back MySpace. MySpace. Facts. Where you could remember the stress, the sheer stress of like, of like selecting your top eight. Like going through and like, uh oh, like picking out that, that what, what you had like access to like three songs, the song that would play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, well, who's going to wind up here? So we, we've been, we've been worrying about these things for a while. So. You always put your crush as number two because you don't want to seem too thirsty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't want to seem too thirsty. <laughs> and if someone like, just like slightly inconvenienced you, they become number five. Like you bump yeah, them down. Oh. They're not on the top four row. No, no. You're second, you're second tier. Make some fun of somebody in gym class and you go and you check oh. their, their profile after school. And you realize, you see the bump, you see it happen, and you're like, oh, man, I messed up. I better apologize. <laughs> it keeps you honest. Keeps you honest. Oh, my gosh. So you, you want to let people know where they stand in your life. Yeah, that's really <laughs> what your whole website is about. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. That makes so it's about much more them. sense. It's about them it's and, about- and, and making them feel awful. <laughs> <laughs> Joking aside, I have, a, I have a quick question for you because- even um, like in my replies, people didn't answer in the actual question box. But people in my replies were like, "What's what are the most common mistakes mm. that you see in people's websites? Other than like this stone cold, uh, I don't know, uh, inauthenticity, which you described and which I think is rampant in classical music culture. Um, what is another thing that people tend to be missing? Sure. The layout and the like navigation at the top, you would not believe how many people leave a website because it's hard to navigate. If you're putting 
too many things or if it's not logical and it doesn't make sense. I mean this in the best way that there are millions of other websites and they can just leave and go to one that makes more sense to navigate. So if you're not setting that up, I mean, it's such a simple fix. Um, So that's a big one. Um, I would also say something I said earlier, but just setting it up and then never doing anything with it again is it's great that you accomplished that. And that is a huge win. And you should definitely be proud of that if you have designed your own website. But if you want it to do something for you and actually get back all that time and any money you give, you know, you gave to it, you need to find a way to get people to that website. So again, through socials or if you're writing blog posts or whatever it is. I feel like this is a personal, (laughs) personal message. This is therapy and the session is it's not going well. It's not going well. No, <laughs> just, no. It's like, see, I think you have trust issues yeah, it's the same. and you push people away. I made my own website back in like 2015 and I even wrote two blog posts and Ayo. that's it. <laughs> I, I didn't even add stuff to my calendar or stuff like that. So it's just like, you're so right. Thank you. You're so right. I like to hear that. So how, how do you? Yeah. What do you do? To, to combat this. Fix that. Yeah. Fix that. <laughs> solve our, solve our problem. I got you. So one of the big questions people have now is with concerts and events, like, do you just leave your event section blank? Do you basically hide the page and, or delete it altogether? And it's such a simple answer, but I want everyone to know this, that put your live stream events and your live stream concerts on there. Like, even if it's just an IG live, like you can link to that link to your Instagram page, tell them what time it's happening, send them out an email about it. You can put things in there. So that's one. Um, One thing that is the beauty of it's for social media and for websites is writing things ahead of time and then scheduling it for later. So people think that you're really on top of your stuff and you're just like busting out stuff on the daily. But what I do is if I'm, well, not now, but if I'm on a long bus ride or if I just have like time I'm chilling on my porch, I'll write it out like three blog posts and I'll schedule them out in advance. And people think that I'm just doing it in real time, but jokes on you. I'm not. Mm. Yeah. And jokes on you listener. This is coming out. Like we're recording this like two weeks in advance. So, <laughs> so it's but true. It, it, we're doing, we're doing it. it, but, <laughs> but we're doing it. That's, I mean, that's some like really, really like obviously great advice. And also because it seems really practical and that you can mold it to your schedule. It's not about just setting aside that time and like week over week. It's um, I guess the buzzword is it's scalable. Yeah, <laughs> we love a good. We scale. love that word. Every everything is like I'm looking around my life. I'm like, is brushing my teeth scalable? <laughs> yes. Okay. I can. Is drinking this water scalable? It is. Walking my dog scalable, but oh look at Drew. Now he's he's doing it. It turns out it is like that is a seriously big scale. That's sixty four ounces of uh. Of process. It's your daily dose of water in one jug. <laughs> so even like getting uh, back into like the specific of you finding your interest in these websites, how has your, your thought process around um, like websites and marketing developed since you were first, you, you, you came out of, of the dark place of grad school, coming into this new world with fresh ideas? Like how, will you just talk a little bit about like what some of the things you noticed at the outset and then how you've developed over the course of the past few years? Yeah. So I actually started, 
I built my own website and was super happy with it and I loved it. Um, but after that, I actually was working towards just doing social media marketing. I thought that was like what mm-hmm. I was supposed to do. And it's something I do as well. It's a service I offer and it's a big part of my day. But until the last three months, um, <laughs> this is actually like a big shift in my business and um, the business I'm a part of NR Media um, is focusing on website designs because to be truthful, I think that people do see the value of a website more. Um, but for a lot of people offering them a giant service of monthly social media marketing, it's harder for them to get on board with that because it's such a new concept and they might see the value of it, but it might not feel as tangible or they, they just don't understand how it's going to bring them more business. So doing website designs has felt a lot more aligned and people have been a lot more receptive to it. And I personally find it's really fun to do. It's a fun project and there's multiple ways of doing it in little bits or like a giant total design for someone. So it's continuously been a question of like, okay, like, do I like what I'm doing? And is it working? Can other people see that? Asking myself all these questions and what are people also aligning with that I'm telling them? And it's continuously been website design, which I'm very thrilled about. So um, no matter how old we are, like how far into our career, it's never a bad thing to ask yourself if you like what you're doing and if it feels aligned with who you are and your skill set as you grow. Yeah. And that's, that's really important as somebody who is transforming and changing. I found that like my old website, is that, is it okay, Trevor? We're okay. Okay. That's, that's that's Shyla. He's upset about his website. Uh, So he's like me. So what are some, so, so I'm currently going under a revamp because I realized like my expertise has changed. Um, and I want to offer different types of services. And so like, do you think that'll be a turnoff? Like when I completely change like the whole layout, like I want to feature this podcast prominently on my website and I want to have that be a mainstay of the website as well as blog posts, but people don't really know me for that. And part of me, part of my resistance has been like, I don't want to change like what people know me as uh, in, in fear of losing traffic or things like that so do you have do you have anything to speak about pivoting or how to pivot correctly absolutely uh and i think this was interesting because you also brought it up with your new like hashtag challenge what is it read homie read is that it read read homie read yeah and i think one of the things you mentioned was like you were also worried about a similar thing of people not being interested in it so i think that there's a couple ways to go about this and one is just we have to tell ourselves that doing something once isn't going, it's not going to reach people. People need to see Mm -hmm. things multiple times and it's not annoying for people to have to see that. They need to process it. And the way that we consume content is lightning fast. So they might see it and it might not register. So things need to be said and shown multiple times. The other thing is the difference between the traffic that's superficial and the traffic that is actually going to take you up on your services. And that's why you can have an account that's like 2000 followers and make, you know, have your business up and running, or you could also have an account and this is not anyone specific, but you can have an account that's like almost a million and not sell a thing. So I think it's the relationship you have with the people around you and the connections that you have. Um, 
and the way you set up your website too, to make, and the way you talk about it, to make people feel interested in it. Because there are some things, um, I've been posting more like educational content and like talking about the different kinds of domains or like platforms, like it is dry stuff. So trying to make it more, more interesting and exciting and get people excited about those things. And you can see that in marketing everywhere. I mean, there's probably like pointless things that you're just, you feel like you need to have it because of the way that they're showcasing it. So if you pivot, then just remember that people need to see it enough time so that it's clearly registering it and that you're passionate about it and not just like putting it out there and hoping that it's going to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's consistency. We need you to just live stream you reading <laughs> like the ultimate read, homie. Read. Yeah. It's just you, oh, camera, yeah. just not acknowledging, just reading I would a book. Watch that. Samuel Jackson, just like, yeah, it's like <laughs> live, but instead of like what the, re- the author has actually said, I'm just adding a lot of expletives in there. It's just the new reading rainbow. It's the new reading rainbow. Like, it's the go. dirty reading rainbow. Oh, <laughs> that's, oh rainbow. my God. That's actually brilliant. I would watch read, that. Read homie rainbow. <laughs> we'll work on it. I'm not, I don't work in uh, marketing. Um, so one thing that like, it sounds like also in your kind of like in your story of like, since being uh, working uh, and making a career out of this marketing thing is that you probably have a more unique story, obviously because of music, but even still within marketing, because a lot of people who are older would have probably come in reverse. They would have started building websites, working for these uh, online companies, and then seen the tides change somewhat and might have shifted into social media. Whereas you started out in social media, we all grew up in the social media age, have then since transferred back into what at the time felt like an older thing, the the website. And by at the time, I mean now. But has what what is specific to your experiences as like a social media manager and and using that knowledge to transfer into the design of the website? I know one thing you just mentioned is kind of the like just how clear and quickly information needs to be processed. Are there other things you've kind of brought in from working in social media into what appears to be more of a static website land? Yeah, for sure. It's, I would say that it, it really is, um, all of the pieces of marketing. So your copy, your design, your photos, your strategy, your SEO, your blog, like I could keep going on, but all of those things are so tied together. And I don't think that they're separate. I think that they all, they do, they really all tie to each other and having an understanding of how all of that works is super helpful. Um, even something I do not as much, um, especially now, but is also doing headshots. So if I'm also like designing a website for someone, like clearly making sure that they know what their branding is and what their color scheme is before we do that. So it's not, you know, we're taking these photos and then all of a sudden it's, they look like trash on the website because it's total (laughs) difference. And all of those things are, they work together. Um, and I've thought of this recently that it's kind of like a string quartet. Like they all have their role. They all have a part that works together. You are the soloist, but there's still all these things that have to um, work together in order to make that happen. So I think it's all been really, really helpful to understand and be able to implement um, websites in a way that maybe other people don't. I love that you you can actually use 
uh, music metaphors because we're you're, we're experienced. Like every time you you see um, what was the famous one? Uh, Andy Reid of the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl is just like, oh, it's he's the Mozart of of football, or like he painted a symphony. That's like the quote. That's the quote. He painted a symphony out of that field. It's. <laughs> It's so comforting to to have music metaphors that actually truly work. <laughs> Wait, you don't paint you don't paint your symphonies, Trevor? Bro, I do. No, I print them. We have printers now. Why are we Why are we painting? I, it's all in Photoshop. But oh. <laughs> speaking of like these kind of components, like working uh, together, and I mean it makes sense. That is the the concept of branding and. One of the big things, so in, in preparation of this podcast, I wanted to get in the right mindset. So I listen to a podcast that I need to listen to all the time, but don't. It's called Creative Juice. And it's I love specific. That podcast. Yeah, I, I it's one of those ones that, you know, I listen to it a bunch. I'm like, this is awesome. It's gonna transform my life. And then I stopped listening for a year. But um <laughs> but that changed this morning because I was like, I need to be, I must be prepared. And the most recent one in the feed was was more specific to branding and and one of the things they had said in there was like all these artists independent creatives are so creative in their practice and how they they can present themselves how they talk about themselves and then the moment it becomes marketing suddenly like they lose all creativity like it's a very boring like hey my album's out enjoy you know like like they just like <laughs> lose all creativity and i think about that and it's like wait I've done stuff like that before. It's just like, I, I hope I'm creative. And then I go to do something else that's like slightly out of the element and it just collapses. It's it, it's like lost. It could have been sent by anyone. Um, when you're going out there and trying to help these musicians, uh, like how are you presenting them? Because neither of us really have the stigma that like marketing bad, network bad or not not art, me, me, me. I, I think a lot of people are mostly past that, but still, like, what are some things you do to kind of like uh, both get across the the importance of a brand and then how do you help them? What are the initial steps of kind of launching that process? That's so funny you said that because I think about that all the time. And um, when I've explained what I do to non-musicians, they're like, oh, like, that's so cool. And I was like, yeah, like, I love musicians, but they have this like head in the cloud syndrome where all they want to do is just like, I'm just going to play my skills and I'm going to work on the Debussy for the 14th time. And I'm going to like do all these things. And their work ethic is insane and it's amazing. And yet getting someone to sit down and like write a caption that's quality is difficult. Um, so the, I think the difference between, um, when I first started and now is recognizing people and kind of exclusively working with people who are ready to market themselves. I am here for people who just need, if you want to pay me to sit with you and you like struggle through doing your website or like kick and scream while you're trying to do it by all means. But the people I work with have more so been people who are like understanding at least like a little bit, like they're like drinking their juice. They know that they need to market themselves. And they're at least asking, like, I might not know, but I know that you do. And so that's why I'm coming to you. Um, it is easy to want to work with everyone and try and help everyone and help them realize it. But I would make zero money if I just tried to help people who weren't interested in doing this. So just finding people who are more along the path 
um, who are ready to have an online presence has been a huge game changer in people I work with and how we work together and how successful they are because they're willing and excited about doing this. How do you, how does somebody get from this weird, ew, marketing sucks to like this idea of understanding that marketing in the form of storytelling and in, in the form of being authentic and, and, and sharing themselves and being vulnerable, how would you coach somebody to get from point A to point B in that way? It would be asking them what they're specifically resistant to. Because I think when you can pinpoint that, it's a different situation. A lot of people in many regards, and I've done this too, have been resistant to things. And then someone asks me why. I probably almost everything I ate or didn't eat as a child growing up, my mom would ask, like, why don't you like this? I was like, I just don't like it. Like, that's not acceptable anymore. <laughs> and so you start asking them, them or yourself, you know, why am I against this? Why don't I want to have a social media presence? Why don't I want to have a website? And a lot of times it just comes down to self-worth or thinking that you won't be successful or that so many other people have done this. Why does your platform matter? Why does your presence matter? And it's always remembering and helping them remember that you offer something unique. You have a unique experience. You have a story that's worth telling and helping people know that it's okay to share that there are spaces worth taking up and having a presence on. And I, I know that's very like woo woo compared to like marketing and what you think about it, but it really is. We're all just humans and how we tell our story is important. I don't know. You didn't tell me about recycling or crystals or <laughs> meditation yet. I must buy whatever the product is you're selling. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with that because I, I find that at least personally, like whenever I'm successful, it's when I'm able to get over like the BS in my brain. You know, there's a lot of negative BS that goes on and it prevents you from being a more self-actualized version of yourself that is able to share and be a beacon of light. And what I tell people, like, cause I do a little bit of coaching too. One thing that I tell them is like, you have to figure out why you don't like yourself. Why don't you think that you're worthy? And, and then you have to, you have to fix that part or not fix it, but you have to start moving past that. It's, it's kind of like your fridge stinks and you're like, man, I don't want to open that fridge. You got to, you got to throw out whatever's <laughs> rotten. I love it. Someone's got it. Someone's got to clean that Squarespace. I mean, fridge. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it is true. Like you, you kind of, and you spoke to this earlier. You referenced yourself, like, like kind of like the the website therapist. And uh, recently, I've been talking about. I've like hired and I'm in a program with the business music business coach, and like that's how the sessions really opened. It's in, instead of like, hey, let's like talk about your bio or whatever. You know, two two minutes in, it's just like, well what are you afraid of? And I'm like, like, Oh my God. <laughs> and just, and I'm like, once I got to like recline in this, this, this chair. And, uh, but it really is like coming to uh, like the thing that I've actually liked about one doing things like this podcast, but also now, um, me in the process a few weeks into finally doing the website, finally thinking about the branding is, uh, the scary part is it's coming to terms with the reality of you. And it's scary in that you're kind of having to, you're tr trying to decide what your future might be all while coming to terms with your past and your, and your present. So it really is, it's like therapy. Um, is, is there something like 
even getting in towards like just the, the personal note websites aside, um, you've gone through, you were in the positive positivity club and then you went through such, such these dark moments. Have you yourself, do you like read like certain books, certain articles, go to therapy? Like, how did you, how do you get through these moments? Uh, because it seems like that's also what you're bringing with you to the table when you're helping people out at their website, you're helping them uh, come to terms with who they are and how to best present themselves. Yeah. I, so when I started grad school, it was the first year I also like lived by myself. I was, um, living in a new city, uh, moving from New York to Boston, it was so different. And so, um, it made me realize a lot about myself. And I think college is a very supportive place, or at least my experience was. And when I left, it truly was like every sort of support system and cushion was gone <clears throat> and no one was there to uh, support, not support, but no one was, uh, people didn't care. Like it's, you really have to, mm-hmm take ownership of your life. Um, so I think in the last year, maybe two years, I started therapy and that's been really helpful. Um, the other aspect I think was just, uh, growing up in a small town. And I, I mean, I feel like so many people think about this, but like, you don't always fit in. And so then when I got to school, I felt very connected to people and we were all from different places. So this understanding of everyone, Um, just because people are around you doesn't mean they're necessarily like the people who you click most with and that's okay. Um, until you do find your people. And so I felt that marketing and social media gave me this incredible ability to connect with people who fully loved me for me and all of this stuff. And it was a really great way of doing that. And it didn't matter if they lived down the hall or if they lived on the other side of the world and you can still connect with people to do that. Um, so that's been a part of it. And I also, I do meditate, um, and I do, um, yoga now. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I saw, I saw, I saw a lot of yoga everywhere. Though. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I saw you mention it a lot, but that's dope. that makes sense. It's, it's a key part of who you are. And so you put that on the website. Yeah. And so it gives people something to talk about and connect with. And I could write it very formal, but again, like who's going to, is that memorable? Like I want to be remembered. Mm. I'm always afraid to like talk about anime, even though I, I watch them. <laughs> Dude, it's like there are some there's some things, yeah, that that are inherent that you li- really like and that connect with you. And I find that like, you know, they have a bad rap. It's kind of like, you know, you have like other communities like vegan communities, you have com- communities of like where, you know, a lot of the outspoken few, another one, uh, the influencer community. Oh my god goodness like just seeing news articles about influencer doing this wrong <laughs> influencer doing this wrong influencer taking advantage of it's it, it it really kind of makes me personally like not want to identify with those communities it's so fascinating um so but you're you you work through it and i think what i i love what you keep talking about is like self-love and self-acceptance and really uh just owning it that's dope. I really think more people could do that. Yeah. I also found that for things like you said, like about anime, like whatever, whatever it is you're passionate about, there will be people who connect with that. And the hope is that there are good people in your community following you um, and that they will be mature enough to say like, hey, that's not my thing, 
but that's awesome that they like it. And you're going to connect about something else. Like I'm not an anime fan, fan, but I know that you like it and that's great, but I still like you as a person. Like, it doesn't mean you're, <laughs> you're going to like, I won't hold this against you, Drew. I won't hold that. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. <laughs> you know, there's other things they're going to like about you. So I think if you're willing to put that out there, it's, it's not like you're like doing actual bad things. So. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. Only, that, only... There was some, there was some tweet about that. I, I can't even phrase it, but it was just hilarious. It was just like, you know, it was speaking about all the recent pr- police brutality. And it's just like, they think they just demonize young, young black kids when all they really want to do is stay at home and watch anime. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I felt that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I have to fight. It was, it was, it was certainly funnier and more on, on point uh, than what I said, but it was very specific to that. One of the things too, so particularly with the website. So of course the mention of yoga, but I was also the mention of pie <laughs> and why, at least that's very important to me besides the deliciousness uh, of a pie is I remember that I'm not looking at notes. Um, we're faking notes. It's <laughs> the name of the time. I'm not looking at notes here, but I remember that uh, succinctly. I know Drew likes anime. Like, like these little things uh, are, are like these little, I guess like kind of mile markers to who a person is yoga and pie. And, like the, I, I think one of the things that I've I've started to notice and and what we've been doing and kind of what like help help us start doing this podcast is that like it's okay for us to be interested in other things and even be like heavily invested in other things. Not only is it okay as musicians and and as artists, but that might be the most imp, imp, one of the most important things uh, about you or that makes you most memorable because in a sea you know, like if, if someone says, Hey, is there a good violinist? You know, we know 200 off the bat and like, that's not particularly special, but you know, it's the interesting people, um, who, who pop into my mind. When someone asks me about someone, I'm not always thinking like, Oh, they're very good at their instrument, you know, cool. So, 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 <laughs> you know, so many other people are, but if they have these other hobbies, whether it's, you know, s- software development or programming, or they do film or, you know, they're, uh, like workout enthusiast, whatever it is. I don't know. Like I've just started to realize like, oh, that's what I find interesting about these people. So I like that. It's like seeing your website, like that's one of the things you hone in on there. You mention it. It's mentioned in several locations. It's not a buried factor, like the funny line at the end of the bio, like boring list, boring list of accomplishments, schools, prestigious. Oh, I like my cat. Like, no, no, no. You, <laughs> you, put, you put that at the beginning. It's It's like part of your identity. Is, is that one of the, the things you, you'll help, you help artists with is trying to, you know, be like, Hey, you know, like what else are you interested in? Absolutely. Um, and I think about it in two ways. So one is, um, I'm, some people are familiar with this, but some aren't, but this concept of teaching artistry. And I know that's like a newer thing or it's been around a while, but it's like really resurfacing. And the concept of, from a performance standpoint, like let's say an orchestra is on stage, there's typically such a barrier between orchestras and the audience. And so how can we connect with people more? Like how can we take away, even like now with all these Zoom calls, like how can we still connect in a way though we have this like physical distance between us? So thinking about it that way, I think is so important. And the other thing is um, in a lot of the, we have a few different um, website templates now um, that we use and people can purchase that, it's basically like Mad Libs where they just like, it's all branded and they can just type in their info, but we have specific places in there and in our copy templates that 
encourages people to add those interests in there and give them a way uh, to connect with their visitors and audience and things like that. So it's intentionally doing that every time. Um, and sometimes people are like, oh, this sounds so silly. And like, I don't know, but like, it gives me a chance to connect with them more like, as a client and develop like a real relationship. Um, and as soon as they do, they're always so glad that they did. It's definitely a fear. We like, we want to come off as perfect and not that showing a personal side of you isn't perfect, but, um, so professional and uptight almost. And if you like, if someone's going to spend money on you, you need to have something to connect with. You need to take away that barrier. Um, and it may be because I have anxiety and I like, I want to know what a place is going to be like before I get there. Like I want to take away as many variables for the unknown as possible. So if you can connect with people and learn a little bit more about them through a performance, through if they're a teacher, whatever it is, it's just going to make such a better experience and it's going to create a long-term relationship versus one and done. Wow. Thank you, Taylor. And by we, you're talking about NR Media? Yes. So all of my work is through them now, um, which is great. Yeah. So it's, you got a dream team of ladies. Heck yes. I had a, I had a question for you because like, I'm also a, uh, a gearhead. I love photography and cinematography. What system do you shoot on? I have a Canon SL2. I would, I think if I had a bigger budget, I would do a a nicer model. I think the SL3 maybe was like the next one, but it's Mm -hmm. nice. I think it does the job for what I want it to. What about you? Oh, I, I just, I always love to ask how people, like what people shoot on. I, I mean, I shoot on Sony. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, Sony is my, my thing, but like their glass is so expensive. <laughs> I'm kind of locked in now as much money on Sony glass. It's like, Oh, <laughs> if I switch, don't do it. Don't, don't do, do it. it. It's a trap. No. It's a trap. Speaking of, of gear, uh, and, and with this, but maybe let's actually like, if we want to hone in specifically like on this photography aspect of your life, I mean, at least one advantage is that if, if for, for the most, for the most part, if they're working with your photography, there's a great chance they'd probably want to work with you on the other aspects, Mm -hmm. the website Mm -hmm. or the social media. And so I guess you have a nice advantage in that instead of, Hey, let's do a photo shoot. Tell me about yourself for a little bit. Um, let's go have a great time in the woods and shoot these photos. Uh, you're going to be working with this person off and on for, for weeks or months or, or maybe even years. Um, I'm curious, like, what is that relationship, particularly when you're getting someone behind the lens, knowing where you're going to take that final product as, as opposed to the old traditional method of, of course, hiring a photographer completely separate, bring that to the website person and by then it's either too late or they haven't figured out the brand. Like where in this, the sequence of events do you bring in photography? And then like, how do you, how does that, that key piece kind of connect into the whole pie? Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of the people I've worked with so far for websites are actually located all across the country. So for them, it's not possible at the time. I have traveled to do headshots, which was a great experience, but um, mostly people have lived in other locations. The perk of living in Boston are uh, is that there's so many colleges here and music schools here. So they're, <laughs> right before 
uh, quarantine started, I had planned on doing like a headshot day for students. Um, so it's something I plan to do in the future, but getting mm-hmm. to work with students and just doing like a little mini session with them and getting them kind of like on the right track and getting their wheels turning without them really realizing it of like, all right, like we're going to start doing this. Like we'll start with like one picture or just two pictures and maybe even throughout the process, like ask them like, oh, like, what are you thinking about using these for? Especially in terms of the way I edit them. Like if I'm doing landscape or um, portrait, it has to represent what they're using it for, if it's for a concert or for their website and things like that. Um, So it's kind of starting them on that process, getting the wheels turning, and then continuing to build that relationship and just checking in on them and still supporting them however I can. Um, And I think that's the great thing about the time that we live in. (laughs) One of the only things maybe um, is that you can connect with people long-term because of this uh, connection on social media or technology um, allowing you to do that. So, yeah. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, I, I, I remember, uh, have you heard the name Jiang Chen? Sounds so familiar, yeah. Yeah, he, he's a photographer uh-huh. who took all the uh, bunch of photos for graduation recitals and stuff for Juilliard students. And so like, it turned, like he turned his whole thing, he built his business based off of that. And now he shoots world famous musicians uh, who are, who are famous soloists and things like that. And, you know, he, he's built his career based off of, you know, seeing, and what I love is that you understood your location, you understood the market, and then you understood how you could provide a service to that market. And that's, I, I try to tell so many people how to do that, but that's like, how do you develop (laughs) that sort of like mindset of seeing people's problems and then figuring out how you can solve them? Well, how did you get there? It's easier to try and fix someone else's problems than it is having to face yours. So, I gotta add in a applause. Applause. We need a we need applause. a yeah a clap track. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's one part of it. Um, I think at this point I'm kind of trained to do that, and I think I mean again bringing it back to being a musician, being your own teacher when you're practicing, you're analyzing how did this go? What can I fix? And so I think that's part of um, what I've continued to have through my musical training is having that like analytical side and awareness because I mean, you need such a fine awareness of everything going on around you besides your own, you know, marketing, playing, whatever it is and kind of how you fit into the bigger picture of things. So it's, uh, it's easy when you kind of start to realize the same questions that are being asked over and over again. There are certain things that are very situational, but a lot of the problems are very similar. And so it gets easier to address them and really, really help people. And, and to some degree you get to kind of run experiments. You, you know, what, like after years of facing the same problems over and over and over, because like you said, at like the core of it, it's the same with, music like often it, we're, we're dealing with like five problems that we're trying to solve in different ways for our whole career on breathing for the instrument bowing whatever it is phrasing like there's we're all working towards these these same things um and, and it just keeps coming up and we try to just find better and better ways to make it easier for that specific person uh is there any particular advice over the past 
couple years, like a very specific problem that kept cropping up. And like, how did you, how has your like methods of approaching that changed? Yeah. I mean, I would say that it's people just, the the biggest one is um, not feeling like they're worthy enough of having one, especially for young musicians who may be in college still or still in school and grad school, whatever it is. And they feel like they need to be at the top of their career. Like they need to be they need to have achieved success already in order to show up. And I'm sure that's like something, Drew, that you deal with a lot, like with people showing up on social media is like, why do I need to like do it now? Like, can't I just wait until I've got it all figured out? Which, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to speak for all of us, but I'm pretty sure like we're all wondering when that's going to happen. And it, it might not. Still yeah. emerging. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm figuring like, it out. Like that word is everywhere. It's a big problem in composing because like, what does that actually mean? Like, like, are you coming from the earth? Like what, what is emerging? Um, like are, you could be 40 and if you've just started, you're emerging, but you've missed that window. Is it just young people? Uh, like it's, it is a really confusing word because of course, as artists, you never really feel like you're quite there and you never are going to. And if you're waiting for it, uh, it's not gonna, it's not gonna happen. Um, so particularly for these younger people, at least one advantage we should have is that, you know, when you're growing up, we're younger, we should be more technologically savvy and like understand the value. Almost everyone can uh, at its core kind of understand that like, oh, yeah, I need to have an Instagram or Facebook. It's how we inter- interact with each people. You know, we grew up with a <laughs> MySpace and yeah. Facebook and now, and now young people ha- hate that. It's Snapchat and Instagram, and now they're leaving that for, TikTok. I don't know, drugs. Oh, TikTok. TikTok. You um, already know. But, uh, like, and then who who knows what's what, what what's next? Uh, but, uh, like, we, we kind of get it, but yet we're still resistant on using these things as tools, which in a degree, like, that's what what they are. And, like, it can, you know, and just like many tools, they you can use them to help you out. You could use them in a correct way or a creative way, or you can just, you know, that sits in the shed. And so it, at least one thing that's, that's helped me recently, uh, and I haven't really enacted it so much on social media, but to kind of get the website going is just understanding like, these are tools that I can use to help me. These can be part of the craft. They can be part of the art. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. If no one hears about it, it doesn't matter if my composition falls in the woods and no one's around. Does anyone hear it? And actually that's the, my next composition. So uh, it's a tree falling, falling for tree solo falling. tree, solo tree and uh, no audience with wood accompaniment. Uh, with wood accompaniment wood. Yeah, for, for percussion, for percussion, solo percussion. But it, it it's true. Like, like uh, I think seeing some people when they kind of like embody uh, their art and just realize that like, Hey, these, these, this is a component. This isn't something icky that I need to do. Uh, this is in service of my art and presenting it as, you know, a way to help. If if you believe in your, your, your art, like then, then you want to be able to present it. If, if you think it's going to be helpful, maybe the, I think the biggest part of that fear circling back and the anxiety that comes on us as musicians is we're questioning the worth of our art and we're worried about presenting something if we ourselves being so analytical, you know, don't quite deem worthy to share we haven't quite made it. So I don't know, like coming to somewhat of a realization that's at least helped me put these initial steps in motion. How has it been specifically for you? Like you mentioned 
And like we we can all relate to, you know, where it's really hard to teach ourselves, even though that's what is required of us as artists, where we're heavy, we're, we're very tough critics of ourselves and like kind of like dealing with the anxiety of going out there and doing your own work. What have you done to make sure that you're doing your website, you're doing your branding that, that is, that is maybe different than what you would recommend to other Mm. people. How do you keep you on track? One thing I want to say in relation to what you were just saying before is that I do think that it's really, really hard for musicians of all ages to see the importance and to have uh, less resistance to this because it's not taught to us in school. It's not said it's important. No one is told how, I mean, most cases, you're not told how to run a performance, how to start your own chamber ensemble, how to successfully get your music published, like all of this stuff. And so, of course, it's going to be such a question if in the place where you're supposed to be learning how to, you know, make it to the pinnacle of your career, you're not learning it. <laughs> so I don't blame people for not recognizing that it's something they need, but I will say that I'm so grateful for a podcast like this and so many of your episodes talk about and have guests who are talking about what they're doing, who still have ties to classical music or what they've used from it. Um, and you know, it's something that's really important to me is to like have more representation of people in the, maybe the classical industry, but not doing something that's uh, so typical. And yet we're still happy. We're still successful. We're still loving music in a way that's valid. Um, so I just want to say that because it's, it's easy to feel blame and guilt about it. And like, Oh, I should have done this sooner. I should have had a website sooner and all this stuff, but Mm -hmm. no one's telling you this. So here we are today. Everyone take out your pens and pencils, write this down. Like (laughs) this is your sign. (laughs) This is your moment. Um, thank you for saying that yeah. you said the magic words, like wasn't taught to us in school. I think that's the tagline yeah. of this podcast. Buy <laughs> a dollar for every, every time I'd have no student debt. I could afford student loans. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> She's one of us. Um, in terms of the other stuff, um, I will say that so this is actually, um, this upcoming Friday is my one year freelance anniversary. So it's been an incredible, thank you, um, crazy ride. And it's a true test of discipline. It is hard to get my butt up every day and, and make sure I'm actually like waking up at a reasonable time and, you know, and setting those boundaries and all of that stuff. Um, that being said, I, when I was a kid, um, from three to 15, I did classical ballet and, um, my teacher, teachers were retired New York city ballet dancers. So it was a very intense time. Um, and I was doing flute on top of that. So learning time management and discipline was a huge part of my growing up. Um, now I almost feel like, because I'm not doing those things, it's, it was a little tricky to like get back into it and really hold myself accountable, but um, before I did this, I was, before I went totally free freelancing, um, full-time freelancing, I took a temp job at a, um, like a venture capital office. And I have never wanted to count down the days until the weekend or like till the end of it as much as I did then. And so every time I have a hard time, um, staying on track with something or just feeling like it's difficult to focus, I just remind myself, like, if you want this life, 
then you have to work for it and you have to do what needs to be done in order to make this possible. Um, so that's a big part of it. And I'm sure like you both really understand that. Um, the other part is I think that it's unique to me, but I do enjoy writing captions and doing website design. Like that's fun for me. I find it enjoyable. Um, doing things that are creative is something I need to do every single day, whether it's for myself or for a client. So that's really important, but I think it always comes back to um, why you're resistant to something and how you look at something. So for example, like I don't enjoy long tones, but I know the importance of it <laughs> and I find ways to like make it enjoyable and figuring out like why I'm again, like resistant to it. Um, and so I feel like people can do that with their website or social media marketing. You can find ways of making it more enjoyable. Put on your favorite playlist, like do things that are fun, like sit out on your porch and write your social media captions, like find ways of like making this homework or task or whatever that feels difficult, more enjoyable. There's a lot of, um, and like Drew, Drew, you recently mentioned I can't remember. We've talked so much about uh, procrastination and overcoming. It's just every. It's just every episode. I can't even like point out one. Just listen back to like just randomly close your eyes, scroll through, press play, and we're probably talking about strategies to like get stuff done. Because me, I inherently and particularly avoid getting stuff done. I did not know this ad plays music on the my free camera app. So dope. We can't. Uh, it does. We didn't okay. hear. We didn't hear that. Though. I, okay, I took care of that. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 about my IQ. So uh, that is that's pretty low. But um, like one of the 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 things that stuck out, I think Drew Drew had mentioned recently. But of course, two methods. One is like facing the fear and getting excited. You know, making the weakness a strength, or like trying to get excited, uh, pumped up to to face the thing you don't want to do, and in like investing it, keep doing it over. Um, and just like preparing yourself so that when the moment comes up, you do the task. Uh, another thing, just discipline, just scheduling, just knowing that discipline equals freedom is another phrase. Oh, Jocko. And then another one, yep. another specific one, I think I can't remember. And you, you take over Drew when you re recall how to phrase this was that when the more you dislike doing something, and, you know, compared to just like whatever barriers, like how difficult the task will be and how difficult it actually can be. Because even if there's something you really dislike, even if it's easy to do, you're still not going to find the motivation to do it. There's something really hard to do and you kind of don't want to do it. It's still going to be very hard to do. And I think one of the, like whatever that equation is, is to, you know, like the more difficult or more unenjoyable a task is, like reduce the barriers to entry and find ways to make it more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Um and so for something like this, if, if people, if you don't like writing that copy, like set it up to where it's easier for you to sit down, like maybe that's just part of your routine or set it up to where it is an enjoyable process. Like maybe you're not writing it down. Maybe it's like, okay, voice memo on the phone. Mm -hmm. or, or whatever it may, or, and, and then I get to eat like chocolate bar after it or whatever, whatever it is. I don't know. Like that's, I'm trying to, I've been starting to try to implement these things to either ritualize it, make it a routine or to just reduce the difficulty uh, or the, the barriers for entry. So like, yeah, do you want I, I had to a, I had an idea 
Cause like Let's hear it. I was like, man, I I'm one of those crazy people. Okay, I'm insane. I just I, I there's not there's something not right with me. You should put that on your website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I will. Just, I I'm the type it. of dude that like when he opens up his Chrome browser, there's like 37 tabs. I just I can't. Yeah, I'm one of those. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can't. Because I, I always like seeing something, but I'm in the middle of something. So I like open a new tab and I'll, I'll get back to it later. I'll look at that later. And I never do. What One thing that I always, that, that happens in my life. And I think what's really important about trying to start new habits is notice cues. And so a lot of my cues uh, is opening up my browser and then opening a new tab. And so usually it's Google. Right. But I just had this idea. What if I just made the new homepage whenever I open a new tab, my website. So like, I'm always Ooh. reminded I need, I need to update it. I need to do something like that could be something that you do. Or like right now I'm doing a home buying course. I've already done this. Every time I open up a new tab, it's the home buying course. So I'm like, That's okay, I idea. might as well just do one step and just do this. And then do whatever I want to do. And that's been really helpful. I've already done three steps. So that's and it's not fun. (laughs) That's like setting yourself up though for so much success. Cause you're like, I always say, like, thanks, past Taylor, for setting up future Taylor for success. You got to pet pet insurance and get insurance for your pet. That is past Trevor thinking future Trevor. Can I go further with some already paid off with some woo-woo stuff? So my mom's very woo-woo and I love her. She's very spiritual. And she has taught me about meditation for my entire life. Like it's, it's something that I've been doing for a very long time. And one thing that I do, and it's only like five, 10 minutes in the morning, is I, I pretend like I'm having a conversation with my past self and my future self. And so my present self is like a product of what my past self has done. So I say, thank you for practicing past Drew. Like I wouldn't be here if I didn't break my body and my, and my soul and get through that, that really the rough negativity of practicing and hearing bad sounds come out. And then my future self is like, what, what is future me like? Right. And then I imagine what future me is like, and I'm like, what did you do to get this house, bro? What did you do to do this? What did you do to that? And he would tell me the things I already know. And so he's like, okay, I want you to get here. So I, and the future self tells me, hey, look, you need to do your home buying course. I know you hate it. <laughs> I know you hate practicing. I know you hate uh, waking up and, and, and having to figure out how to edit video or answer your emails, but you have to. Because if you don't, you won't be here and then you won't be talking to me. Anymore. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. So- that's just something that I tend to employ in my life is just making sure that I understand what I do today. It's not going to pay off today. It's not going to pay off tomorrow. It's probably going to pay off 90 days or more from now. So just having that. Or patience. get your money back guaranteed. Or get your money back, bro. <laughs> your free trial to Drew's fourth feature. So. Do you have any, do you have any like weird is quirks or things that you do to like, what Trevor said, like to make that activation energy, like much lower in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, or are you just disciplined? Well, no, just- no, I will say, I don't know if it's because of being in quarantine or like, because of all of like, 
just like everything I'm consuming, my attention span has gotten so short. So bad. Okay, thank God. So bad. It's hard. So recently I know I also with that have been getting very like fidgety and it's hard to sit still. Cause usually like I work at an office, I don't work from home so that I can like go and take a walk. I walk during lunch, like just a lot of moving. And so I live in a small apartment and so have to find ways to do that. So starting the morning with even just like a walk outside is really helpful. Um, Right now I'm trying to create better habits of like noticing that I'm drifting um, or opening my phone when I should be writing something or doing something else and just kind of being like, all right, like let's, (laughs) let's rein it back in and just trying to like reset and lengthen that because um, I think that it's like, while it's so great to have the amount of freedom I have in my day, like no one tells me what to do. Like, it's like when you're like a kid and you get to, your parents go out for the first time and you're like, I'm going to eat ice cream for dinner and breakfast. And I'm going to like stay up till (laughs) 3am. Like that's kind of like no parents, no rules as an adult. Yep. Yep. Um, With that being said, like it's hard. It's really hard to stay disciplined. And uh, I try and, I mean, I try and like, Uh, if I make plans with someone like setting it at a time that I know I have to be done with something because it falls on me. Like if I don't get this to someone at this time, like I'm the one in trouble, I'm not the one, or I'm the one not being able to pay my bills. So I feel like that guilt, like, (laughs) and worry hanging over me is, (laughs) it's a motivator, um, Mm -hmm. doing things like that. But I love that of the idea of like talking to your past and future self. That's really cool. I'm definitely going to try that. (laughs) Sup? So Give it a try. <laughs> let me know. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> I will. Yeah, for sure. Trevor, do you do anything like that? Um, one of the things I think we've recently come to, and then I just want to uh, put into person, like just kind of like coax of like uh, the past couple minutes of conversation, uh, is that t- you know us and creatives doesn't have to be don't have to be artists, but creatives of any types. Like this is kind of our superpower is trying to analyze things, make new things out of old things. Um, and then like, let's use this uh, creative energy, this curiosity uh, to our advantage. One of the downsides is also, it is kind of loosey goosey on the discipline uh, <laughs> inherently. And yet that's one of the most important things as a creative, when you just look at like those who have gone out and like ch- changed the world is if you boil it down, there is some type of discipline. Now discipline of course, doesn't necessarily always have to be in the rigor of the schedule or waking up at 5am or staying up late. Uh, but one of the things that always does seem to boil down to is just the why the self analytical, why is it like this? And I think for all of us, uh, it, it just took me, I'm the oldest here probably. So it took me the longest to, to get to it. <laughs> but finally turning that brain, I always asked when I'm walking in uh, to teach, particularly in my past life as a music theory professor, uh, you know, I'd always try to explain the why. I was like, why are we, you know, what the, uh, you know, res- resolve your dominant seventh chords. And then they'd be like, okay. I'd be like, well, why? And they'd be like, no one told me that. Or like, why can't we have parallel fifths in this instance and like because i was told not to like that's not the why i'm like well here's why like but the thing i never did for let's say the first 20 28 years uh was ever turn the why on myself Mm -hmm. uh like ever have the conversation with myself like well 
you know, you're, you're, you're helping others. Like what, like what you said, Taylor, you know, it's easier to help others doling out all these advices of things I've read, but I never asked myself why, why am I not doing things? And, uh, two years ago I, I went fully freelance. I've always been for the most part freelance, but like fully moved to Los Angeles from New York, left everything. And I did not handle it well. I did not, I was very undisciplined and, a big part was that I I just hadn't spent time. Things had just come my way. I would just do things that came in, you know, food in, food out. And then I hadn't really asked myself why. Why do I do the things I do? Um, what is what is going to be the purpose? And a big part of why it was so difficult is, one, I didn't understand discipline. I lived a very undisciplined life growing up. Yeah, me too. Um, I, had mo- I had great models of discipline. My father is very disciplined, for example, just very consistent, dependable. But for some reason, it, it wasn't me. I was the creative. I'd run around and play with a yardstick, pretend it's a sword in the background. And then I'd just read books. I'd stay up late, read books. I just, I'd, I'd never practiced. I didn't know what to do. But I think what, what helped me is really just, you know, turning all the things I would do as a teacher and as a friend to someone else, and then just holding up the mirror and start having those conversations. It is that past self. It's that future self. Well, like, what? What am I going to do? Like, why does this all matter? And I think honing in and finding in and realizing that the reason I'd put off a lot of things or I wasn't doing all the things I was going to do was because it felt it felt like it was for me. It was, it was, it was always about me. And that's something specifically talking through with my my business coach about getting the websites. Like, well, that's the problem is I like collaborating with people. I like talking with people on podcasts. I like thinking, I like thinking about music more than doing music. I like talking about things more than doing things. (laughs) I like the, I like the conversation, the analytical, the, the philosophy, uh, over the actual work of doing things. And the why then became service. I was like, I wasn't doing things because if I wasn't doing things for me and I wasn't a big fan of me, then I'm not going to do them. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to go help out someone you don't like. And if you don't like yourself, you're not going to help out yourself. And so part of that was just coming to terms to be like, wait a minute, yeah. I'm not that awful. Am I, you know, <laughs> and then, and then switch subjects, switch subjects, switch subjects, <laughs> but uh, flashback, 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 highlight reel, highlight reel. Oh, oh God. But anyways, like coming to terms, like, Oh, well the website's not just for me. It's really about for how I can, have better collaborations, how I can have better friends for future, for future me. Um, and so in the end, it was, it's just been this whole year, this whole podcast has been, uh, just an exercise in, in actualizing things in actually doing things. Like the part of this is the discipline for me to go out there and do the things I do because I'm finally thinking about it and have held up the mirror talking to the past self, uh, and the future self and the present you two here together this is all an exercise in that so Damn. the the quick answer is just simply um it's just noticing what what has worked the hardest part um is that when you're first out of school and, and it's terrifying and you're in that like middle 20s age is you just don't you don't have enough like let's not call it life experience but that's kind of what it is you don't have a back catalog of how you act in the real world you've been under your parents or you've been in the weird social experiment that is school and so you've never, you haven't had time to like really fail and explore and, and succeed and do other things and kind of see how you act in your natural environment. And I think what's made it easier is that I finally have enough data points 
to analyze like, oh, like, wow, like when this was successful and it's because of this and this led to this, this led to this, this didn't work out because this and this is. And I think realizing and trying to adapt your life to fit around what works for you, it also takes knowing what works. You need, you need the data. And yeah. so I've just noticed that I still don't do great with schedules and a lot of consistencies in some ways, but that I've, one of the things I've noticed is like following like curiosity. And so whatever I'm most recently interested in, I try to tailor that to help me out. And so Drew knows I bother him all the time. My recent thing um, is the think, kind of like the thinks, uh, think or work, work smarter, not harder mentality. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And so I'm super obsessed with like automating <laughs> my keyboard automation <laughs> and like APIs and all that, like anything that will like save me like 0.5 seconds. I'm like, I will spend an hour to save you know, the, the next 0.5 seconds over my life of just automating some process. And I, I pester everyone and I know about I'm like, Hey, you could like, you could automate that e email. And yeah. like, <laughs> just like the, yep. but, but I'm using yep. that to my uh, advantage is a long short. It's like, I realized this is, this is what I've liked. And this is what interests me. It's what I've spent some free time doing, thinking about these things. And so I'm like, wait, I do all these things for my company I work for. Why on earth am I not doing this for me, myself as the company? So part of that is just taking the knowledge we spend to everyone else and like knowing what works for us and then implementing that in rent. I love it. Boom. That was deep. Dang, we get deep on the Faking Notes podcast, y'all. You thought you were like, learning about website designs. <laughs> no, you were learning about it, yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To now, okay, to not to not rant, let's let's twist this. So Drew has a conversation with his past, present, future self, and in the end, isn't that kind of what a website is? Ooh. Go. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Taylor? I mean, I have to sit with that for a second, but yeah, I mean, I mm. absolutely do. Especially if you're offering, um, if you're offering, I mean, usually what you're doing with a website is offering a service or a product that's going to take away some sort of pain from someone, whether that's like not being confident in playing your instrument or not having the right music for things, et cetera. So in a way, I mean, you are talking to people, you're talking to people about their potential future and how you can make it better. You're talking about your past accomplishments and yeah, what you're talking about right now through like blog posts or anything like that. So it absolutely, it's, I mean, it's a time where it's beautiful. When you're positioning yourself, so looking through your website, and I've been recently combing through other artists' websites, other websites in general, uh, as I go about like thinking, you know, pros, cons, what do I want, how do I want to present myself? And one of the things I thought for me is like, you know, what is what is the goal? What is the goal of the user? Uh, what do you actually want to get out of this? And one thing I've noticed with a lot of artists, we have different goals. So a lot of my composer colleagues uh, as opposed to maybe a performer, is to set yourself up. You, you want people to come visit you. It's it's basically a giant fancy Dropbox of like all the work I've done. Like come in here, it's a store, buy my music. And I see a lot of my friends try to drive people to their existing music. And something I've, I actually, I'm not necessarily wanting to do that. To some degree, I want it to be an archive of what I've done, but really as a method of, of propositioning future Trevor, future work. I'm, I don't want someone to come to the website and be like, oh, great, uh, piece for violin and electronics. That's what I want to do. And, and rather, I'm, I'm hoping to foster, it's like, oh, that's really cool what he did. We can work together on this future thing. And so looking at your website, it seems very comparable in that 
everything what you put on there isn't positioning itself as like look at what i have done it's like i've done this much work with me in the future it is it is setting up that service and it comes across really clear when you're working with musicians um how do you go about with that balancing act of the past self and the future self? One thing is usually having a conversation at the beginning, just talking them through all those things we said before about having like a super formal website and um, point of view. And I think sometimes it takes a little bit more convincing, but it's usually just being like, I know you've been told your entire life to write this in third person. I'm asking you to write this in first person and trusting us that it's going to be okay and that it's going to be more than okay. It's actually going to help you. So usually it's kind of like talking them through that is like the first stage. And everyone has always been like, all right, like I'm going to trust you on this. Like, I think I can do it. Um, And then usually I think the way we set up the process, um, is whether it's through the branding process that really starts getting the wheels turning. And then when they start writing all of their copy, we have it set up in a way that it's, it's making them think about those things. Um, sometimes there are questions that come about during the process itself, like the building process of like, Oh, like maybe I should add this in. Cause they're, they're really being asked these questions for the first time, especially, I mean, people of all ages that we've worked in who are well into their careers or, you know, just starting out, um, So sometimes it's getting their wheels turning a little bit more. Um, Usually we like to like give them plenty of time in advance to kind of like sort that through me and like, oh, like I got to erase that and start over. And like, this is actually what I want. And it's like helping them, setting up to help them realize what they actually want, making them ask themselves that why question. And then, um, yeah, just going from there. And I mean, the thing I love most about websites is you can always update it. It is not set in stone forever. So like <laughs> if they want to pivot, like give us a call. We will help you pivot. Like it's never entirely set in stone and you have that ability and that flexibility to explore other options and add on to what you already have. I think sometimes just setting that like ground level is the most or like the most difficult part. Um, and then they start to realize like, what they can actually do to leverage their website. Mm. I think even going in there, so maybe because since we, we really dug in deep uh, in fears uh-huh. and pain points and life and whys, I think it'd be kind of neat. And like, you've had some incredibly practical advice that I think anyone else who's listening uh, should, you know, c- come work with you, start their own website, get in the process. Um, not to put you on the spot, but could we, could I pull up your, your website and we just like kind of talk through the philosophy of just going through, just say one page, like the about page, uh, which is, is that yeah, okay? Can I screen share really quick? I already got it pulled up. I already got it pulled up. So here we go. This is our, uh, faking notes. First screen share. It's a incredible technology. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. So, of course, for this is a podcast, you guys can't see it. Um, check us out on whenever we upload this video. But one of the things, again, I noticed, so we're on your about page. And you've already described this first, but I going through it, it, it to a typical about page is that stodgy bio. And while there is a lot of need for that, sometimes people need to find that bio. It's going to wind up in, in a program note and 
you know, contact our friend John Hong. He'll work on the bio and make it not stodgy, but still like that's often where it appeared. But what really struck me and what I really liked uh, was I, I kept reading this. It was in the first person. It was very personal. It didn't list off an accomplishment towards, you know, like paragraph three. Uh, and it just kept going on. And I felt like I could know you uh, before reading about any accomplishments. And so I, I read this and I kept reading, not because you were going to come on the podcast, but because it was interesting. I felt like I was learning about something. And that's something that, of course, doesn't come across in most bios. Um, so just to clarify that, and like, it's, it's the story. It goes on. It leads you from the, the past to the future. Uh, in a highly technical sense, how does someone who is going to be selling website design and selling digital marketing, how do you go about setting up your website? It's that added pressure. It's the bio of the bio writer. What do you do? How do I do it for myself? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like how does you set up? Cause you have that added pressure of like what we're seeing is also what, uh, what your services are. Yeah. Um, I mean, I really think about what I want to get across and, I def this is actually, I think the maybe third time I rewrote my about page because it, it was very like, this is all the things I accomplished at the first couple times. And then I was mm -hmm. like, okay, like what are the things I want to get across? What are some things I can provide that people can connect with? And what, I mean, there definitely should be the things in there that show your qualifications. We, people like generally assume that you're qualified once they get to your site. Um, but it's at the next point, it's really convincing them through your copy on how to do that. So, um, I always ask another friend to read it too. And either they, they're like, shouldn't you add this in there? I'm like, Oh my God, that was a huge part of my life that I blocked out. Um, yes, I should add that in there. Um, you know, I'm making sure it comes across like I wanted to, um, or just thinking about like, okay, like what is going to be helpful for people to read that's going to make them want to learn more about me, learn more about what I do and make sure that I am who I am both on my about page and when we talk. Is there like a favorite aspect of your site or something you feel particularly proud of? Is it the logo? Is it the copy of like, what is the, and this can be as nerdy and as technical as possible. In fact, I encourage it. What is, what is your favorite part about your website? Um, I really like my homepage. I feel like that's like your welcome mat. Yeah. You click on my logo and it goes there. Um, and I feel like that's, that's like the, here's like little tidbits about me that you can learn about. And I feel that way about everyone's homepage. Like, I feel like it's like the overview of your life and it's giving people little nuggets that they can connect to. And then your other pages are, you know, those are the main courses and that's where you get to like sit down and really talk about, um, all the things about them that you really do want to learn more about. So your website's like in an, or sorry, your homepage is like an introduction. And I feel like that's like, really fun to do. It really does set up like the personality, but also the services. So like, I mean, like that definitely comes across. Thank you. I like this particular, like, like how you phrase what would be a normal boring thing, like join my newsletter, which is again, the bane of most musicians existences, but you've got this inbox love letters. 
yeah. <laughs> and the contact pages. So how, yeah, like how'd you go about settling on that? There were things just like that where I was like, this is dry. This is boring. What can I do to like spice it up? And it's, I don't know. I find it really fun to take something that, that like, it's just, no one's going to care and make it into something interesting that's going to catch their eye. I've, it's like a nice creative challenge. It's how can you take this and put a twist on it? How can you add a little like jalapeno to it? How can you like do anything like that? You know, mm-hmm. make it yours and be authentic. Yeah. Like you said way earlier, I wouldn't write love letters. You know, I'd probably be, you know, spitting bars. <laughs> yell at me. <laughs> I'll yell Just, at you for free. Hate, as long as hate it's mail. Hate mail submissions. <laughs> or, uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> suggestion box. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One other thing, at least on the design, and then we'll, we'll stop the, the screen share, but something you don't often see, it makes sense because, again, this is a service, but you start off with that call for action. It's at the top. It's right there. And like not only that, it fits the rest of the branding, the color scheme, the the font style, all of it. it, it it's it's not like a, an added-on thing. Like Each little component has its own role and goal, but it does fit under the umbrella of the brand. So that way, like a typical ad, like you know, some website like selling this space and is trying to get me to buy a cord midi pack or something, uh, like this fits in with the brand. It doesn't like quite stick out. How do you, on like the real technical side of things, how did you decide the ordering of your homepage? Because it's the first thing they see. How did, yeah, like that, that seems like a very difficult thing to do is to then go through and like, you decide what do they see before they even scroll? What what do they see second? What do they see third? How'd you go about that? For sure. So part of my day, every single day is reading about conversion-based website design. So it's incredibly strategic. It may seem super cash and like just put things in the right place, but there's a whole science and philosophy behind it. And even the way you set up text on a picture or the way it's in relation on the left or right side, um, has to do with how visitors respond to it. And fortunately, there's so many resources out there about what works for people. Um, But it's set up strategically in a way that it introduces who I am and what I offer at a glance. And then the rest of it throughout the homepage and the navigation and the other pages all connect to where I want them to go. So I want to give them a little taste of like who I am as a person, what I offer. And then they're going to learn more about me. They're going to become more invested. They're going to have a better trust of what I offer and why my prices are worth paying for. Um, And then taking a deeper dive onto that. So um, that's intentional for every single website is um, all the layouts are done to make sure that people are taking a strategic path and not just like, all right, this is my bio, this is my contact page, this is what I offer. Like, it's very, it's a path. It's like taking them from point A to point B or point Z with all the little like points along the way. It's the value of data and trying to like figure it out like knowledge. And so like when we were talking about like what routine works for me and I've struggle with so many aspects of discipline, but I just get interested in these things and particularly like the nerdier it is about like the most boring things, the more interested I am in it. Uh, and so like, for example, this just came up via work, like look at like this page, like as an example of like just using the knowledge 
of of other things. Think about it, musicians. Think of how much energy you spend creatively practicing your instrument, thinking about the theory, the history, the ear training. Like, like think of how complex music is. Other fields are just as complex and are just as creative and are just you know have so much to them. And I just get really fascinated about like weird. The more niche, the better. And so like like this little website it was just sent to me recently, like the fastest navigation layout for a three-level menu. And it's this whole <laughs> article on some UX movement uh, website. And it just calculated the, the data of like, when you have three, three menus, three subheaders and sub tiers of menus, uh, is it better to have three on the top, three on the left, like two menus on the top, one on the left. And then it rated them on navigation time user hesitation, cursor movement, selection error, like the deepest stuff. And like someone spent time learning about how to navigate menus on a website and what, you know, does a user accidentally click on the wrong thing or how quickly do they get to find what they want? And so like, this is very deep in the weeds. There are people in there <laughs> who have like studied the design and like how users interact with things. And a lot of that is very artful it's very creative so for me and probably for some of us if we get bogged down too much in like the technical like oh why does this matter i just want to be doing stuff is viewing these things through the lens of creatively like you don't turn off your creative brain like use it for you like your website can be creative it can be unique um all within the context of trying to be simple and clear. Can I just say uh, that my anxiety yeah. is flared up again by just the idea <laughs> of, you know, Multi having to think about where I put my text, like what tech, dude, I don't even know what to put on my first page. I and mean, I can't even decide on a picture, you know, it's, it's such a struggle. Well, I mean, that's but why that's, I exist. Like, you know, yeah. this, is why you, this is why you hire pay people like Taylor. <laughs> Take away your pain. <laughs> take, take, away the, <laughs> take away the pain um but uh, again like th thank you again taylor for coming on here and you know just like this is obviously such a it's a it's an important thing to both of us at this stage but how to present yourself online in a world that is now fully online it's becoming even more important uh all right will you just give any some final thoughts about uh, going through and, you know, the final words of encouragement to get out there and make this part of the creative process. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first is just telling yourself that you're worthy of having a presence and you can do this and you're worthy of taking up that space. You have something so unique to offer and we want to know about you. Um, the second is that your art is important and what you're doing is important and the way to get that across to multiple people is through your online presence. Um, and just like anything, it's just taking it one step at a time. It's a big project, but if you break it up, however you work best, it's totally doable. It's totally manageable. And there's a lot of value in it um, for the classical worlds and beyond that uh, could really skyrocket their careers. So it's uh, a worth it investment. Thank you so much. Where can people find you? Uh, I mean, I, I definitely know, but I think I, I would love for where would you like people to most interact with you is the way I would like to phrase that. Yeah. So they can find me on Instagram at Taylor flute. They can also go and 
check out the company website we have, which is NicoleRicardoMedia.com. And I would love to say hi and chat more about nerdy stuff like websites and self-worth through digital marketing and, uh, <laughs> and all of your fears. So you heard it here for folks. Heard it here. First. All right. Well, thanks again, Taylor. Thank you, Welcome to thanks the Faking Fam. And we'll have you back on when, uh, me and Drew finally have websites running. <laughs> yeah, and then and then you can destroy us. Beat us up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beat us up. Be like, why did you why why did you pick fear? this picture? You have twelve fonts on the home page. Like, what were you? As thinking? long as they're not Comic Sans, it's good. No, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all it's just Uh-oh. Comic Sans and bank graphics. <laughs> no, thank okay, you. Okay, so I'll, I'll I'll let you know when I fix that. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, Taylor. We'll talk thank soon. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.